Eye on 2020, episode 108. Have 2020 vision with Eye on 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? It's Ray Eaton here, your host of Eye on 2020, the best place to find all the news and the related events that are going to happen over the next 18 months with this presidential election that's coming up. Uh, People fighting day in and day out to uh, make their points. There's 20 some odd, 23 candidates that are running on the Democratic ticket, and they are all trying to stand out and find their little niche, find their little way to get you to vote for them, get you to like them, or whatever. I mean, if you're a Democrat, I guess that's the case. If you're a libertarian, I don't know. I mean, I, I just haven't found one that I really like overall. I mean, there's some that are there's one specifically that's an anti-war candidate, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, but everything else on her social issues and stuff just kill me. Uh, Donald Trump does not impress me at all. He never has. Uh, he's just, you know, the the outspoken guy that likes to be controversial and stuff, you know. But, uh, you know, he's done stuff since he's been in office that I sort, sort of do like you know, lowering taxes and things like that. And I don't know if he necessarily lowered taxes, but it helped my tax return this year. So I can't complain about that. Uh, more money in my pocket, less money paid to the federal government. You guys know it, that I love that because I do not think that taxation is even moral in the first place. And uh, one person stealing money from me based upon using the government as it's, you know, as the per, using the government as the one that's going to take that money from me so that it can be redistributed to other people and so forth. I don't think that's a good policy. And also, it is not done willingly, so technically that is theft, right? And uh, libertarians, we talk about that sometimes. Liber- taxation is theft. And th- there's a case to be made. Some people just won't ever agree with that idea. But if somebody takes money from you, if somebody takes your money without your consent, per se, uh, and if you don't pay it, then you're going to be put in jail, put in a cage. Obviously, that is uh, that is definitely. If it was done by anybody else other than government, it would be considered theft by you. So, but since the government does it, people say there's some kind of implied contract. But anyhow, uh, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate those who listen every single day. Uh, keep on coming back. And if it's your first time listening, if you like what you hear at the end of the show, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. You can do that as well. Eye on the Empire is where you'll find me. And also, uh, that's eyeontheempire.com. And also, Eye on the Empire is uh, the Facebook and the Twitter handle that I have. So you can find me there as well. But anyway. Uh, let me move on to some of the news that I found today that for you. Happy Monday, by the way, but here's some of the news that I found for you. So an interesting article I found on thehill.com was that uh, Bernie Sanders is counting on Iowa. That's what the like his, his campaign director is saying, that he is guaranteeing a win in Iowa right now. 
uh, for Bernie Sanders over Joe Biden or any of the other contenders that are out there as well. And what they were saying is that that's going to be the thing that he has to do in order to get that name recognition out there going into New Hampshire and South Carolina and so forth. And one of the polls that we found that they found in the article was that Bernie Sanders is actually tied with Joe Biden in a head-to-head race, or not a head-to-head race, but in the race uh, for Iowa. So if that's the case, then the national polls don't really matter, because one of the polls that I saw earlier today also was that Joe Biden was up 39 or 36%, uh, up 19% on Bernie Sanders. So Bernie Sanders had 17%. Joe Biden had 36%. 19% on Bernie Sanders in that particular poll. But those are national polls. And the national polls don't really matter that much. When it really comes down to it, it's the Iowa poll or the Iowa straw poll that happens. The Iowa caucus is sorry that happens. Um, and then the New Hampshire primary happens. That's the first primary. And that's how these guys choose who's going to be the nominee for their state. So when when Bernie Sanders goes in there and he's tied with Joe Biden in Iowa, then that's, I mean, what they always say is that the person who wins Iowa has a lot of name recognition going into New Hampshire. And usually by New Hampshire, you have, from what I've seen, and I don't know if this is always true, but from my past experiences watching these primaries, you'll have one person win Iowa, one person win New Hampshire, South Carolina comes next, and you might have a third person win that or one of the two. But by the time you get to South Carolina, you start kind of seeing who's going to be the leaders in the pack, right? You'll probably start seeing people dropping out by the end of South Carolina's primary. And then you go into Super Tuesday, I think that is. And I think Florida comes in during that time as well. And uh, that's a lot of delegates that Florida runs. And it was um, Rudy Giuliani that tried to use a Florida tactic where he was going to try to win Florida, which would bring him into the next round of... uh, primaries that are coming up and he that was a very bad strategy for him you have to win those first primary states in order to get the name recognition you need Rudy Giuliani Rudy Giuliani did have a good showing in Florida but I don't think he won Florida back when he ran for president I think it was 2000 what was it 2000 2008 or yeah I think it was 2008 when he ran and that was his strategy was to win Florida he did not win Florida because of that um but that's because he wasn't getting the name recognition that he needed in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and so forth. So if if Bernie Sanders can win Iowa, and he's already, you know, he's a he's from Vermont, so he might get a good showing in New Hampshire as well. And people have huge rank, re, name recognition for this guy up in that area. If he could win Iowa and then he could win New Hampshire, that'll really help him going into the next battleground states as well. Um, it'll give people the feeling that they can vote for this guy. Because a lot of people they just don't feel like they can right now. They don't feel like he's someone that can win against Donald Trump. And the biggest thing that Democratic voters are looking for right now is somebody that can beat Donald Trump. That's their main reason why they're voting. So if he could, if Joe Biden wins Iowa, if Joe Biden goes in there and wins New Hampshire, then it's really going to give him the momentum going into more of the primaries. So... Uh, for Joe Biden, that would be a good thing as well. I'm sure they're trying to count on that also. But Joe Biden is going to market as the electable candidate, and then Bernie Sanders is going in there as the change candidate. And with him tied in Iowa, that to me that just sounds ludicrous that that hill on the hill.com that that's what they're saying that that they found polls that show those two running neck and neck. Uh, I've seen polls that show Joe Biden winning. 
Iowa right now. But if that's the case, if there are a few polls out there that show that, then that is beneficial to Bernie Sanders. And if he could win, like I said, if he could win Iowa and go into New Hampshire, that's definitely be strong for him. Um, it's going to give his people a lot of motivation. And that he has a grassroots campaign going. He really does. Um, you're going to start seeing, at that point, you also start seeing you know, popular people start endorsing candidates. And if those, you know, those people are more far left, they'll endorse Bernie Sanders over, over a uh, Joe Biden as well. Um, but we shall see. I mean, it's still so far out. A lot can happen between now and then. A whole lot can happen between now and then. And the debates haven't even started yet. That's like a month away. So uh, let's move on to another issue as well, though, because I got some more news for you guys today. Yeah, so I don't know how it is that Donald Trump is having his highest approval ratings of his uh, entire presidency right now. Well, it's the highest, yeah, the highest time point in two years, but he definitely does. I think it's the highest point since before, or not before he was elected, but since, uh, since like right after he got elected. So obviously coming into the presidency has several, you know, months where his approval rating is pretty good, but then it starts to go down as the press starts beating up on him even more and more. And I'm reading an article from thehill.com and it just says that it's from May 31st, says Trump's approval rating hits highest point in two years. And with all this stuff going on with the war, with all of this stuff of him, you know, pushing for war with Venezuela, with Iran a couple of weeks back, and now he's starting to pull back on those things. Maybe that's starting to help his approval ratings again, right? Because the economy is perceived to be good and so forth. But, you know, placing these tariffs on China and now talking about placing tariffs on Mexican goods because of the border crisis that he's talking about just doesn't seem like it makes very much sense to me that he has his highest approval ratings yet or in the last two years. That's just, to me, it just doesn't make sense, but that's what, the, that's what the Hill is saying is that Trump's approval rating hits its highest point in two years. So actually, let's talk, let me, t- let me switch gears for just a second and talk about these these uh, tariffs that he wants to put on Mexican imports. So he's talking about right now putting tariffs on Mexican imports of 5%. I guess it's going to be all Mexican imports. I'm not sure. But they are the, they're the largest trading partner with America. And what he's doing is he's saying that he's going to put them on Mexico until they start. He's going to put tariffs on these goods until they start um, getting serious about stopping the flow of illegal illegal immigrants through their country. I guess people come from Honduras and other countries down in the down in Central America and they go right through Mexico and then they end up at our border. Mexican people Mexican people, they are going across the border and so forth and he wants Mexico to be the one that stops people from coming in to our country and he's saying that he's going to do this in order to penalize Mexico, but that doesn't penalize Mexico as much as it penalizes the Americans. It's the same thing with the Chinese imports that we talked about last week with him putting a 25% tariff on Chinese goods, puts a 5% tariff on Mexican goods. All that does is makes it so that American taxpayers, American citizens who are buying products that may be from Mexico and also the parts and so forth that come from Mexico is a lot of parts for auto manufacturing, a lot of parts for just manufacturing of, of products, of goods that we have here in America, they get, they're made, the parts are made in, in uh, Mexico, and then they're assembled in the United States. And all of those things are going to have a 5% tariff put on them. So that's a 5% tax 
put on those products, which then, I mean, the way that the tariffs work is this. The goods come into America, the assessed value of those are made at the port of entry, which would probably be a truck coming in across the border. And, the, the, and at that point, that 5% tariff is paid by the company that is importing those products, right? So let's say Walmart's bringing those products in from Mexico, they're going to pay the 5% tariff. So Walmart is not Mexico, not the Mexican government, not Mexican people, not Mexican companies, but American companies are paying to bring those goods across the border with a 5% tariff. So there's a 5% tax paid by Walmart or whatever company is bringing it in. And then what does Walmart do? What, is the other, what do the other companies do? They, at that point, that's passed on the consumers. So you and I end up paying it. We know that. We're not economically illiterate people when we're libertarians. We understand this stuff, right? I understand it. You understand it. And it just irks me that he has the nerve to try to sell this as a good thing for Americans. It's like this guy, he must understand this stuff. He just thinks that people are just idiots or something. I don't know. It just blows my mind that he would do that. And it, it, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever the way that he sells it. But his approval rating is, according to The Hill, at the highest point in two years. And let's get into the article and see why. President Trump's job approval rating is the, high, the highest it's been in two years, boosted by voter optimism about the economy, according to the latest Harvard's CAPS Harris poll survey. The survey found that 48% approve of, jo- of the job Donald Trump is doing, compared to 52% who said they disapprove. That's up from 45% approval in March, the last time the president's job, appro- president's job approval rating reached 48% in the Harvard CAPS Harris poll survey was in June of 2017. Trump appears to be getting a lift from the economy with a record 62% approval approving of his approach to employment and 59% approving of his handling of the economy. While only 39% of voters said the country is on the right track, 51% said the economy is heading in the right direction, 71% of voters said the economy is very strong or somewhat strong. People's views in the economy are gradually pushing Trump's numbers up, and his actions on other issues like China and immigration are neutral to positive. Every point of increase in the range of 45 to 50 improves the possibility of re-election, is what they said. Trump's approval rating in the Harvard Caps Harris Poll Survey is higher than what other recent polls have found. The president's job approval rating is at 42.5% in the real clear politics average. A recent Rasmussen report survey found Trump at 48%, but 6% or six other polls of recent polls have found him ranging from 38 to 44%. So if this, I mean, it's just, he seems to make he's trending upwards in this time, but he did trend very far down for a while, and I've been keeping an eye on the polls. You know I do that. I do that on a regular basis. I look at all the polls. I look at the Real Clear Politics polls, and I look every day at the Rasmussen Reports uh, polls that they do. They do the daily tracking polls and so forth, and for a while there, you did see him just tanking. I think when he got this anti, or this war thing going on with John Bolton kind of running things, him leading from behind, you started to see John Bolton, you know, talk about war with Venezuela, war with Iran, and you just saw his poll numbers just tank. The people, the strongly approval ratings that he has, the strongly approves versus the strongly disapproves, that just started going down, down, down 
on the strongly approves and the people that strongly disapproves started going up, up, up. There was like a 12% gap at one point between the strongly approves and strongly disapproves. And, uh, but now if you look at those same polls, you start seeing it starting to go back up again. And, you know, people are fickle. People make decisions based upon economy, the economy, but people most, you know, people make the immediate decision on their approval based upon what the news is saying in the day, right? That's what I think. That's what I'm feeling when I'm watching the news. You get this feeling of anxiety, this feeling of glee, this feeling of goodness or the feeling of badness for this guy, you know? And uh, I think a lot of people, they base their their decisions when they answer those questions on the feeling of the day, right? Now, there's some people, obviously, we all know that, the people that love Donald Trump, they're going to say, oh, yeah, everything's great. I approve. I strongly approve of the guy. And then the people that hate him, yeah, I strongly disapprove of him. That's just the way that people are going to be. But there's those people in the middle, the independent voters, that are going to make those decisions based upon the feelings of the day a lot of times, but there's an infinite number of reasons why people make their decisions, right? Infinite number of reasons. They might only care about, you know, civil rights issues. They might only care about criminal justice issues. They might only care about marijuana issues. They might only only care about abortion issues, things like that. So everyone has their thing that they vote based upon. Other people like libertarians, we might vote on who's going to take away less of our liberty. We might vote on who's going to be the most anti-war candidate. There's millions upon millions of reasons why people would vote. A lot of people vote because they think the person's the best looking. Some people voted on it because of the status quo and they just don't want to, you know, change things too much. So you never know what people are voting for and the reasons why they're voting. And when they ask these poll questions, they never know what their reason why they would answer those questions are. But you could look at them and you could see when he's talking about going to war with Venezuela, going to Iran, it starts to go down. And as soon as he starts to let off that, as soon as he starts to take back control on those issues and starts to kind of, you know, pull back on the war rhetoric and start talking more about peace you can see his numbers start to improve again. So that's a, that's an issue that he should really stay away from. He should really stay away from those issues and you know keep focused on the economy. That's what he does, and that's what people like him about, like him best for is his economic issues, right? That's the, I mean people that that poll that I just said like sixty you know seven percent of people said the economy is going in the right direction. So you know ride that to the ride that to the. Um, Ride that into 2020 if he can. I mean, that's what I would do if it were me. But, you know, that guy, he doesn't listen to anybody. Obviously, he's not going to use me as a consultant. I'm just some, you know, podcaster part-time that has a regular a regular job as well. But, um, you know, that's that's what he should be doing in that sense. I mean, I'm sure his pollsters are telling him this stuff too. You know, I'm sure that they're just saying, hey, man, when you start talking about war, dude, you better stay away from that, man, because uh, that is not the direction that people want you to go. You can see it from the polls. They start start pulling out the Rasmussen Reports poll, and they say, look, the day that you started talking about it is the day it starts going down. And then as soon as you stop talking about it, it starts going back up again. So, um, and that's a winning issue. I mean, anti-war issues, those are, that's a winning issue. In my mind, the only reason why I like Tulsi Gabbard is because of that. You know, she's a complete socialist on other things as well. Uh, A lot of libertarians like her because of that. I mean, I don't, I don't have any hero worship for anybody, to be honest with you guys. Um, I feel like, you know, the less they, the less they do, the better. The less dirt that they get us involved in, the better. And uh, hopefully, you know, as we 
go through the 2020 election as we start bringing more people to the show as more people start listening to the show we can start talking about the you know limiting government limiting the size and scope of government as well that's something that i've been talking a lot lately about is um is you know letting people know about liberty letting people know about the libertarian movement and what we stand for non-aggression individual liberty things like that and uh if we start becoming ambassadors for that movement if we start becoming people that are willing to get out there and talk to our friends and family members about these things get out there and educate people about you know the 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 destructive nature of government versus the you know building up the the things that we can do to build up the country by having an an a movement that talks about liberty talks about freedom looks to find candidates that are going to do the same thing, talk about liberty, talk about freedom. And if we can do that, we're going to get people into office that, that, make, you know, that, that make those things their priority. The Rand Pauls out there, the Justin Amashes out there, the Thomas Masseys out there, the ones that are going to stick to the Constitution at the very minimum, right? Because I think we can all agree that if you look at the Constitution and they, you get those limits there, at least, uh, you know, start pulling those, pulling apart the government in that way, right? I think that we could all agree, not all of us, I mean, there's, there's those that are strict anarchists that just say we just want to tear down the whole thing. But I think it was, um, it was Michael Malice, I think he was on Tom Wood's show or something, like that. and that, forgive me if I'm misquoting him because I might have taken it the wrong way, but he says that he'd more, more trust the person that, you know, the person that just wants to tear it all down you know, there's some things that are done right. There's some things that are the right way of doing things. And, uh, you know, you don't just want to tear down the entire thing. Uh, I think he was talking more about the people that are like, tear down the entire system and make it socialist, you know. But uh, you can't just tear down the entire system completely. I think if we start to revert ourselves back towards constitutional principles and so forth, I think that would be a good thing. But now the Constitution is obviously left up to interpretation, Right. Absolutely is. And you can't get everyone on board with the idea of just, you know, taking and taking, you know, your interpretation of the Constitution or the original intent version of the Constitution. But um, at least if we get leaders in there that agree with us, if we start to talk about liberty and get people involved in the libertarian movement, we could get people learning about liberty and understanding it, then you will get people voting for people that are more you know, strict const- strict constitutionalists, people that talk about the Constitution from that framer's perspective, right? If we could do that, then I think that we'll have a better chance of preserving liberty for our kids. So, and that's my goal. You guys know that. My goal has been to, you know, really preserve liberty in that sense because of the fact that I have two kids. I want to leave them a better country than what I found it in, you know? Um, and for the last... I mean, I don't know, for, for the last 41 years of my life, I've been sitting here looking at liberty and it's just shrinking away. More people are talking about socialism nowadays than any, anything. You know, gone are the days where socialism or communism was a bad, a bad thing. Now people talk about it as if it's a good thing. So, uh, and when I was growing up in the 80s, like you were terrified of the Soviet Union and the communists. So it had a bad connotation. But nowadays, people think of it as, you know, hey, at least we're all getting together and we're all loving each other. And we're all helping each other. And the state's involved in it all. And the, we could trust the government. We could trust the officials. We can't trust the officials. You guys know that. 
all they're going to do is lie, cheat, and steal to get themselves reelected. They're going to promise this and promise that to get themselves reelected. That's all they're out they're, they're, They have individual motivation to get reelected. That's how it is. That's how politicians are. You guys know that. So, um, but yeah, that's my goal. I mean, get there, get out there and talk about liberty to other people. Create a movement. That Ron Paul revolution. Let's spark that thing back up. That's what I mean. That's what we need to do. That's what we need as a group. We have the ability now. We have the ability to be loud in a world of lots of voices. We do have the ability to still be loud and proud of what we have. The proud of the libertarian message of non-aggression, of individual responsibility. And that's what I hope that you guys will get out there and talk about on a daily basis. So, um, happy Monday to you. I appreciate you coming out and listening. Keeping me, you know, keeping the listenership going, keeping, t- keep on sharing with your friends, keep on letting them know that there's another podcast out there for their ears to listen to. I mean, I fight, we fight constantly for the, the few minutes that you'll listen to us, right? Because I, I know for me, I listen to so many podcasts. I listen to them constantly. I listen to them all day. But some of you guys probably have an hour or two or a half hour that you might listen to podcasts for on your way to and from work. You might listen to us at work. I don't know. I mean, whatever you're doing. Um, but for me, you know, in my normal day-to-day routine, I start the day off pretty early, and I'm pretty much listening to podcasts between this this sales stop and that sales stop. And uh, I only have so many hours a day that I can listen to podcasts for. I might have a few more than some other people, but um, we're all competing for your ears, right? And uh, whoever's going to put up the best show is when you're going to share with your friends. That's the one that's going to um, the one that's going to inspire you the most. That's the one you're going to share with your friends. The one that's going to challenge your mind every single day. That's the one that you're going to share with your friends. The one that has good quality sound. That's the one that you're going to share with your friends, right? I mean, there's some podcasts I listen to that the sound is bad, but the sh- the show is great. And sometimes I just might switch right through that one because of that. And then, you know, you have the ones that are absolutely professionally done, that are edited with all the ums and the uhs taken out. And those ones sound great. Uh, they're easy to listen to. And I, I enjoy listening to those as well. My purpose has always been that I just want to sound you know, like myself, I want to be myself. That was one of the things when I started this podcast, I said, you know what, I'm not going to sit there and edit out the ums and the uhs. I'm just going to get better at speaking to you guys. I'm going to get better at talking about the issues of liberty. I'm going to start reading more and understanding this message even more, especially about the politicians and their policies. That was my goal when I started this show is just to sound like myself. So I wasn't going to edit out the ums and the uhs. I tried that once and I couldn't even get the editing properly done. I'm sure there's professionals that are out there to do it, but I just want to sound natural. I want to sound like that guy that you can come to, you know, every day for 30 minutes and just listen to and have, you know, a real perspective on this thing from just a regular old, a regular old Joe, you know, I'm not, I mean, I took economics courses in college. I've, I've been a libertarian since 1999. So 20 years I've been a libertarian and, uh, I just wanted to be the one that you can listen to that's just like a regular old dude that, you know, makes a podcast and enjoys what I'm doing. And you could tell, hopefully you can tell, you know, that's what, that was my goal. So I appreciate you listening. I do. I appreciate those that come back every day, Monday through Friday. 
And uh, keep on listening. Keep on listening. Share it with your friends. Give me a five-star rating or review. And then you can also check me out on ionetheempire.com and also ionetheempire if you type in that in on Facebook. I think I said at the beginning of the show as well. So I appreciate you coming out and listening. Come on back tomorrow, and you will have clear vision for 2020.